<laughs> I'm going to try not to do any embarrassing things so you don't leave it in anymore. Something dropped. Did we need to take the towels out first? Hello and welcome to Refigure, the weekly podcast about tech, arts, diversity and culture. I'm Reefa. And I'm Christopher. Uh, what have we got on the programme, Reefa? This week we binge-watched two drama mini-series. Devs by Alex Garland was made for FX. And it's on BBC iPlayer starring Nick Offerman and Sonoya Mizunu. And we also watched Unorthodox, which is based on Deborah Feldman's 2012 memoir, which is mainly in Yiddish, and it's directed by Maria Schrader for Netflix, or Netflicken, as we call it sometimes. Netflicken, we- as they call it in Germany. <laughs> anyway, we watched each of them in one night like a long film I went to bed at like four in the morning each night because what else is there to do how are you Chris I'm really well I'm good <laughs> I finally finished my Hastings project got it out of the way so I'm looking at <laughs> a couple of months of proper like I'm diving into actual creative work of my own over the next couple of months which I'm really excited about also we went out did a big long walk which we haven't done that many of and Ever. we found a park that we don't go to very often up a hill in Brighton and we bumped into a friend in the park isn't that amazing we actually bumped into a friend in the park like so in since the lockdowns happened since mid-march I've literally seen and talked to three living people apart from Chris one was a plumber who fixed our no they don't oh, need no, to okay. know all they don't of need that to know the details no one cares. Well, who are these three people that two you've seen plumbers, apart from me? Two plumbers. Two plumbers and James Kendall, who was ex-Bright and Source, and amongst many other things that he's you done. You keep harking back to the Source. He hasn't done anything to I know. the Source for years, and you were, like, haranguing him about something that happened in the Source, like, a few months ago, and he was like, I- I've got enough to I know, do but that's like you. People just know you for one thing, don't they, Chris? Yeah. So James is a, a course leader in music journalism at BIM. He's a brilliant music writer, he's a brilliant photographer, but we did first meet him many, many years ago when he was editor of Brighton Source. He also used to do really good mixtapes. It's true, it's true. Anyway, shout out to the James. Um, how are you doing apart from our big walk, Reefer? I'm quite nice. This bank holiday weekend, but I did a little meditation thing just now. And uh, yeah, it was nice. I don't like the news. It's not very nice. But... It's the sun shining and I'm It's fascinating good. that even, like, we're pretty good now at filtering out the news a lot of the time. And it today, as you know, if you know what day we're taping on, which is Bank Holiday Monday, it has just invaded all our lives again, like, and it's horrible. We I don't talk about this stuff. more BBC News in one sitting this afternoon, about an hour of BBC News this afternoon. That's more than I've watched in th- four months. And that's more than I'm ever going to watch again. I just... It's just a waste of time. Why are you talking about it then? Yeah. Let's talk about TV. Yeah, let's talk about what we like. Right, rather than... so. What did you think of Devs? Devs is a sci-fi drama. 
it's Alex Garland and obviously he's done loads of um, quite dark thrilleringy but also like. often tech based things obviously broke through with the beach many years ago but most recently probably really well known for X is it X machina or X machina I think it's X machina anyway he's really really well known for that and one of the things I remember about that is that you particularly reefer absolutely hated it um, and so I'm not going to dive back into that thing but it was really interesting that I found myself almost nervous that he would do the stuff that you hate in his writing and I don't think he did in this so this is a drama about the nature of reality and it's set on the campus of a very posh tech firm the last time I saw him he was headed toward depths and then he disappears something bad happened to him you know what happened to him. If you came for answers, ask me what you don't know. What is Devs? This is the only principle you need to understand. Nothing ever happens without a reason. Everything was determined by something prior. They're fanatics. We need the police. It doesn't feel like it's set in a particularly future world, but it's slightly futuristic because the thing it's built on is a sci-fi idea. It's speculative TV. Nick Offerman plays a serious drama role, which he does really well. Really solid performance uh, from him playing it straight. He is the kind of um, tech billionaire uh, guru genius behind this company, living this wildly creative, futuristic thinking thing in a kind of core part a secret core part of the organization called devs which is where the developers are and no one even it's very mysterious and no one can even go there which actually is a very similar character to the oscar isaac robot developer in ex machina it's that kind of so alex garland is clearly not finished playing with that idea of the kind of steve jobs eric schmidt all these uh, elon musk type weirdos I really enjoyed it. The actor Sanaya Mizunu, who plays the a kind of junior person who's coming up through this company, she's got a Russian boyfriend who gets into, he gets promoted and he gets into the dev's secret bit and then a horrific thing happens to him. And then so the, the premise of the show, the highest concept of the show, she's investigating what's happened to him whilst her life is being turned upside down as well. She puts in a really fantastic, intense performance that makes it very believable, even when some of the ideas are not. But you can tell I'm sort of skirting around what it's even about, because it's one of those where you've got to watch it, because if I start talking what it's about, it spoils it. And the bit that I didn't like, like I loved it right through to the final episode, and we watched it, in, as, as you said earlier, we watched it in one go. Loved it right through to the end and didn't quite like the end, but I'd love to know what you thought about it. Uh, well, we'll have to talk off off mic about what you, what it was you didn't like at the end. I think it's a fantastic series, and I was probably put off by the title devs because I thought it might be like Silicon Valley or something oh, yeah. like that. <laughs> On one level, it's about this mysterious messiah, uh, this messiah figure also going through a massive trauma. Yeah. So there's a whole story there. Alex Garland, I think, does this really well in some of his films where it's actually quite a, a small film in many ways. I, I'm going to call it a film because it, that's what it feels like, mm. the production-wise of it. Um, so it's a very small film with, a, with an ensemble cast, really, with a small cast. 
and he makes it look big okay there's a lot of cgi in it that you're like how are they making that happen you know like how is that working and yet there are really claustrophobic moments in it where you've got kitchen sink dramas between different relationships an ex-boyfriend pops up there is a uh, a few people in the dev bit where they don't see daylight they don't even know what day it is because they're working so hard on this secret project and then you've got the expansive shots of a huge like on the edge of san francisco forest like because we've all been locked down for so long it feels like oh my god that's that's amazing in itself just seeing wide vistas and trees and the sea and then this peculiar uh, statue of his daughter and you can sort of get glimpses of what um, this campus is like because they're all kind of like young people doing this really amazing stuff. But it starts off with this espionage. And what I really liked at the beginning was I thought the story was going to be quite straightforward about a bloke stealing some stuff. And then it shifts quite quickly. The focus is on the female character. Also, um, the many of the characters aren't, in, aren't Western as well. And we learn quite quickly that she's a third generation Chinese person. She is tough as hell. Like many male characters in films, like Born Identity and that sort of thing, they do things unexpectedly. The Maverick character is very rarely a woman. And like it's often like this in superhero films. She's like either funny maverick you know or silly so we sort of get to like her oh, because quirky. she's quirky yeah like the reporters in old black and white 1950s films right yeah. if she can be la- or like i love lucy she'd be clad and silly like mrs Maisel, or she can be noble like wonder woman and not have any fucking sense of humor at all this one is just strong as hell like they say in kimmy schmidt it's like she's <laughs> bonkers and crazy and does some amazing things and it's very quirky and and daft and there's probably lots of holes in it but just watch it on face value i it's so mysterious i would have expected some aliens to pop up um but i was not expecting us to be questioning the nature of the whole universe and it really got in my head in the same way that films like Donnie Darko or Truman Show that kind of thing without giving too much away there's some concepts in here that are like layers of Buddhist philosophy even going into the dev campus the special secret bit is like going into a temple it's beautiful it's got mandala like imagery and um, gold and it's all very plush and lush and it's just completely bingeable and oh like yeah. the aerial shots of san francisco in it yeah are stunning like and so they're just cutaway shots really or atmosphere and yet they have something really powerful to them i don't mean beautiful. that i meant when they go into the thing oh into yeah, the building into the, the central devs building yeah over the years i probably quite enjoyed quite a lot of alex garland stuff and then kind of forgot about him a bit, and like people like Ben Wheatley and the and uh, High Rise and all of that kind of ideas. Is this a book, Devs? Do you know? The- it's not. It's writ- this was it. It's Gar- Garland just wrote it for this thing. So it's actually, I bet he's been sitting watching Black Mirror for some time, going. <laughs> I wish I could, like, I'm going to do something with some depth because you've got the nuances of the characters and you've got the length of, like, a six-part or whatever it is. Yeah. But also, it does step out of the reality, almost, of Ex Machina that he was exploring there, of the 
the dangerous implications of tech when it's applied by these kind of, well, you say a victim of trauma, but who also is a billionaire with infinite resources. He also really explores when infrastructures break down. Yeah. Because of deceit at the top, maybe. 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 It's an interesting one because even the kind of villains in it, they're not as, as black and white as the villain in in Ex Machina. Like Ex Machina was pre- was Bluebeard basically. It was if you remember that fairy story yeah. uh, that he killed his wives and put them in the cupboard. You know, yeah. like it's like all of that. Even though people would say, oh well, men would say to me, oh they're not they're not real women. And it's like that's the point. <laughs> that's the point that people people, men, don't think of certain women as real people and hurt them in many different ways that it's just horrible to watch it and actually to make them kind of doll-like robots. Sorry to go on about it, but no, you no, brought it up. No, no, it's fine. It's <laughs> and, I, and I think in The Beach even, there was a character, was it Tilda Swinton? I think so. Yeah, she's like the cult leader. Yeah. That's what she's into. I yeah. like it. It's good. That was an amazing film. I'd like to watch that again. Sometimes devs had the slow pace of something like Mr. Robot where they allow scenes to breathe in a really nice way as well even though it's kind of got plot and action and and uh, sci-fi stuff going on i wanted to flag an actor who's in it an older actor called zach grenier who is the guy who played in the good wife he played the really sleazy lawyer the bald lawyer david like one of the villain lawyers and in this he plays another villain but he's brilliant in it plays a really thuggish villain who does appalling things and yet from what you like what you said it's not a black and white character. He actually invests that character with some pathos and some a real character with real motivations as well. He plays it a bit like from, Mike from Breaking Bad. Yeah, or yeah. from Better Call Saul. The same. Yeah, it? yeah, same character. So there is a bit of humour in there. There's a couple of like funny moments, but it's just very quiet. And also, we haven't mentioned, the music is so brilliant. It's like the atmospheric music you get in a game sometimes, but also like brings a, like a complete different kind of scratching on a blackboard almost um, atmosphere to some of the tension in it. The one, th- the thing that fell apart for me, now it didn't really fall apart. I'm not, there's no, it does hold firm mostly, but my very favourite thing of the year was the OA. Oh yeah. And it has some of that where it pushes at a batshit concept, but contains internal logic. So it makes it believable because the logic feels believable all the way through. And for me, the OA did a perfect job of that right up to the very end. And for me, this, because of where they needed to go with the plot at the end, there was a sort of sci-fi sleight of hand where they weakened the internal logic of the sci-fi. But I can't really say more than that without spoiling it. So I know what you're saying. Right? Just for yes. the last episode, it yes. kind of doesn't... It went a bit Tron, didn't it, at the end? Yeah, they, <laughs> they want to have their cake and eat it they... about how it's going to resolve which is fine it's fine yeah yeah the OA we never found out what the octopus was all about well that's because they were making five seasons and it got cancelled after two which is the biggest travesty ever in recent TV history and disgusting anyway shall we move on yeah so that was Devs it's on the BBC iPlayer the other one we did and we also did in in one night so we might as well talk about that like it's a movie as well which we only watched last night was uh, Unorthodox you make it sound like I was in prison Weren't you? No, but I left without telling anyone. Why did you leave? God expected too much of me. 
Dat is niet zo dat je niet kunt zijn. Dat is Tell us a bit about Unorthodox and then get into what you thought of it. So it's a story, it starts very quickly about a woman who lives in a community where she is oppressed by her husband. She has to be a housewife and she's getting a lot of pressure from this very traditional community. This community is a sect of Judaism and they are from Hungary and they have these particular... Um, almost like Mormons or very strict um, it's a very strict culture so they keep their traditions alive by controlling what everybody does and says in this community and they all marry into the same community that community is in Williamsburg which is a super hipster area of Brooklyn in New York it's a story of a woman who decides to get up one day get her passport and just get on a fucking plane and go. She's had enough. And the story is told in a series of flashbacks of her getting married. It's really beautifully told. She's 19 and she has a mother who also left the community. And she goes to Berlin where her mum is. And that story unfolds about how she finds herself in Berlin. Berlin obviously being very strongly connected to her community because of the Holocaust. I found it really intense and beautiful and shot like a European art film. The scenes that are in Berlin are very much paying homage to other Berlin films like she goes to a Berlin lake and goes into the lake and it's like a sort of opposite like a baptism but she's awakening to herself and she takes off her wig that they wear in this community because they shave their heads the women I mean it's so intense and beautifully shot but it's also shot in this in a really simple way again lot not a lot of dialogue in lots of it as well where she's like say browsing in a shop and changing her clothes because they have to dress really modestly the women and in a particular way and they wear headscarves and wigs it's very interesting because it's a culture that we just don't know anything about in this country anyway Hasidic Jews but it's the story of this woman's strength again where she's tiny and she looks like a doll almost and these flashbacks to her with absolutely no control in her life and these really awkward scenes where she's trying to have sex with her husband and how they go to bed like pretty much fully clothed and it's just excruciating as well some of it is but it's also showing how these generations of people are going through their trauma and how they're keeping their culture alive through community through ritual through dinners around the table and and but then that also means that they're covering a lot of secrets and lies what did you think chris yeah i agree and i found it hard going sometimes emotionally there are some devastating scenes there are some scenes that just sit you there and they have to perform incredibly well and they place a lot of weight in the performance and trust the performance and it works really well the lead character is played by shira haas and that is an extraordinary tour de force performance from a, from a very, as you say, she's a very slight woman. She manages to do that thing of 
the character is incredibly naive and has not seen the world and has been kept in this like a like being kept in a prison of her community doesn't really know anything then takes control goes to berlin and the moment she's in berlin she's experiencing at a hyper pace all these new things and her the way she captures that as an actor is brilliant there is a thriller aspect because the husband and a slightly dodgy cousin who's a bit of a thug and someone who himself has had problems in the community they are both sent after her to bring her home and there's the sense that that is not something that she will have a choice in that is just go and get her bring her back and there is a real menace to that right the way through i mean it's horrible how um you know even the young husband even on the wedding day you know the actual ceremony of that which goes on for so long for us as a as a viewer they're watching this wedding that's going on and on and on and all the men dance together and all the women dance together and it's really like bonkers i'm watching this thing and there's no romance at all to it it's just you're feeling hot and tired for them all these people it feels like you're that they're all real people that they're real they're really in this community and that is fascinating in itself i also like that it was a female director a female the crew a lot of of our women that just brings a whole depth to it you know that you, you i don't know there's something there's a different quality to it well it's funny i found myself really wanting just to watch the current stuff so they're doing these flashbacks that tell the story of the meeting and the marriage and the marriage gradually disintegrating that's one half of what we're being told and then we've got the up-to-date stuff in berlin of her wandering around berlin discovering things and the husband and his cousin coming to get her and i just wanted to watch the current stuff when they went back to the flashback of this community this deeply deeply oppressive misogynist community that was being portrayed I guess as truthfully as they they really worked hard to portray it truthfully and not to shoehorn the oppression but the oppression is just absolutely just the facts of what happens to young people and he's oppressed by it as well like the the husband is he oppressed her but he himself was horrifically naive and he's doing it out of blind devotion to god and to his community so everyone in it is kind of a victim of this thing I found that really deeply uncomfortable and I just wanted to watch the slightly more easy going... I just wanted to watch the Berlin stuff. So this is a true story. It's Deborah Feldman's memoir and she's she's a public figure now. People know who she is. And she wrote her autobiography about escaping this religion and community. But it's only the old... It's only the flashback bits that are based on the book. The stuff that happens once she gets to Berlin is the stuff they fictionalised and took a different path to kind of separate it for, from her life as a public intellectual. So, for example, in, in this story, the SD character is interested in music. And so what she does first is goes and experiences some music. And that's the only bit I wanted to watch. So it really worried me almost that what I didn't want to see was the truth of it. And the only bits that I could cope with were the fictional bits. The music part of it is really symbolic because she's never been allowed to really express herself and we we are reminded because she meets some other people around her same age of what really teenagers should be doing and not having all this weight of like the community are weighted by the horrific trauma that happened to their people you know so they're bringing that every single day of their life every single moment is all about that is all about remembering those people 
you know, there's the first scenes of her with her grandmother is listening to a piece of music in secret while she's crying about her husband who died, you know, or killed. So they're trying to show us a sympathetic side to it. And so it's like the extreme end of like any community. Well, it's an entire community that exists built on trauma, on incredible trauma. Yeah. Also, because it's in a different language, there are weird bits to it that sound a bit like German, sound a bit like Scottish accent in there as well. I just thought, I found it fascinating to learn about this community because they are so alien in many ways, but they're living in the heart of New York and they're pretty much left alone to be able to do their practices, but also that they look white, right? They look white, but they they wear such extraordinary clothes and they wear the ringlets the bed and they and they the women are dressed so cons- like like it's going back in time so when it first starts the film you don't know what whether we're in the 1970s or not i was devastated by a couple of individual scenes and one of them is the one you mentioned earlier where she she kind of debaptizes herself by walking in the lake that was an incredibly powerful scene there's also a very compassionate scene for the husband that was incredibly moving where the tragedy of him that he never saw her until it's too late and then the moment he sees her for real he's already lost her at that point and that i thought that was just incredibly powerful so that's unorthodox it's on netflix at the moment maybe we should talk about books what are you reading for what are you reading for I haven't been reading any books. You go first. What are you reading, Chris? <laughs> I joined the Poetry Book Society over the last couple of weeks. I can't quite remember why, even. I just saw it and thought, Because you like poems? It. Yeah, I'm trying to read a lot of poetry. And, it's... and so they sent me their magazine, and they also sent me a free book, a copy of uh, Rendang by Will Harris, who is a very hyper-acclaimed young poet. I've been reading that. He's very clever with form. I haven't found the poems exceptionally moving or thought-provoking. I've more been impressed by the the ability. Like it's it's quite. Um, uh, some of these poems are a bit like a raging guitar solo, you know. But that's not a that's not necessarily a criticism. It's really high quality poetry, and he deals with. Um, I can't even be bothered to tell you what he deals with. Themes of identity. Yeah, themes of identity. And that is called Rendang. It's published by Grant to Poetry. It's a fantastic first, but I believe it's his first collection. Yeah, debut collection. So definitely worth getting. Kind of sold it to us there. No, it's brilliant. I mean, it is brilliant. I just mean, I just all I meant to say was I'm not a hundred percent blown away. In mo- no, I am. I'm very blown away by it, but blown away in that when you're really impressed by something rather than it's not. It's not made me cry. It's all that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but also, funnily enough, because of that package from the Poetry Book Society turning up, I ended up having a big thread on Facebook talking about form in poetry, and that reminded me to get back out Robert Hass's book, A Little Book on Form, which was I, I was advised to get last year, and I started reading. I haven't finished it, so I'm going to read that as well, which is a sort of um, how Just, to? Yeah, it's a masterclass of all the different poet- poetry forms. And uh, uh, so I'm going to try and get back into that. So that's what I've been reading. What are you reading, Reefa? Oh, I don't think I've read a book this you. week, sorry. Do you want to... Let me just see if I've read a book You can just see? Once. Yeah, I have to have read a book. Did you read a magazine? I'm trying to think what I did. Well, you have to tell us what it Do is you... first. So 
a while ago we picked three little books from the Penguin Modern series of essays and this one is Albert Camus' Create Dangerously. Have you read this, Chris? No, I haven't. So it's an essay about how the artist, with a capital A, you know, the artist, has a responsibility to challenge and speak up for those who cannot, right? Yeah. That's the job of the artist, to be a dissident, to be thought-provoking, to show when everything's going to shit and the government's doing a bad job. That's great. Uh, yeah. I agree with Albert Camus. Yeah, there's, there's two speeches in here. Defence of Intelligence, which he delivered in France in March 1945, and he addressed bread and freedom to the Labour Exchange of Saint-Étienne in May 1953. Wow. So Create Dangerously was a speech delivered to a university in Sweden in December 1957, a few days after Camus was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature. Most people have read The Outsider, but he's written loads of books. We've got The Rebel on the, uh, over there somewhere. I should probably read his essays. So his, his prose is really intense and very Orwellian as well in some ways, but he's like... It's all written from the point of view of a male intellectual. It's very it's intense. It's very um, stressful. <laughs> yeah, it's very stressful. Um, but it's just interesting. So at the beginning, he says, an oriental wise man always used, so it's obvious time, an oriental wise man always used to ask the divinity in his prayers to be so kind as to spare him from living in an interesting era. As we are not wise, the divinity has not spared us, and we are living in an interesting era. The writers of today know this, and if they speak up, they are criticised and attacked, and if they become modest and keep silent, they are vociferously blamed for their silence. It's very good. It's a good one. Tiny little book. Albu Camus, C-A-M-U-S, Create Dangerously. Very good. And that is our show, dear listener. See you again next time. Yeah, look after yourself. Stay safe. Don't go going on any massively, ridiculously long drives without taking a pee break in order to do something completely ridiculous. Stop talking. Just don't drive anywhere. Don't do anything except shopping. (laughs) Take care. Bye. Bye. Can I have ice cream now? Yeah.